0: trade deal in the cards. Truth or fiction? Is it done? Will it be done in January? The market didn't seem to care much. We'll see if it holds up. The ECB made a decision this week, as did the Fed. We'll talk about that. There's record central bank gold buying, repo operations. We've talked about it here in this podcast in the past. I believe this is something that everybody should be keeping an eye on going into 2020. The Fed certainly is. We're going to talk Harvey Weinstein and how if you are a rich male in America, you can rape. You just got to be very rich. And if that's the case and you have the right contacts, rape away. The government shutdown that nobody noticed was going to happen. We'll talk Brexit, Joe Biden, little Greta, the Trumpster. This is episode 48 of Bizarro World. I am your host, Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, the 36-year-old... Mr. Nick Hodge. Mr. Hodge, how are you, sir? I'm
1: doing very well. That's a whole lot to talk about. How are you?
0: I am well. Also, thank you for asking. That is a whole lot to talk about. Let's get to it. Let's start with the markets. We have what looked like in the morning, a deal. This is a lot like Elon Musk when he tweeted, funding secured, right? We got the tweet from the Trumpster and he said, huge deal. China just really wanted to make this huge deal. I wanted to make this huge deal. We held hands. We made a huge deal together, right? I'm, I'm, I'm the greatest deal maker in the world. And then half an hour passed and we got another text. And it basically amounted as the day <laughs> progressed to, we just decided to not impose the tariffs that we were going to impose on November, or on, uh, excuse me, on December the 15th, which is a couple of days from now, one day after you'll be listening to this. Um, and in return, China said, we'll buy, all of the stuff that we need to buy from you anyway. Um, Is that how you read it? Because that's how I took it. And that's certainly how the market took it in its muted reaction with the Dow up a whopping 3.33 points.
1: That's how I took it. But you know, I'm going to talk about the pigs, right? Of course, it
0: all goes back to the pigs. Something that, again, you told us over a year ago. Yes, absolutely.
1: So back on December 6th, last week, It was said that China was going to waive trade war tariffs for some U.S. soy and pork purchases. We're going to call that the blink. At least I'm going to call that the blink, right? Because we had a stare off and it was like, who's going to blink first? And I told you it was going to be the pigs because China eats a lot of pork and all their pork died. It wasn't that hard of an equation to figure out the solution to. It just took the world a while to get there. And so. China reneges on its, on its U.S. pork tariffs because it's got to make its pork dishes. And then here we are a week later, the phase one thing that was supposed to materialize weeks ago is now sort of becoming a deal because I think of the pigs. And so, yeah, I see it the way you see it.
0: Lipstick on the pig? <laughs>
1: yep, exactly right.
0: <laughs> Let me tell you the other thing that I think um, inspired the deal, and that is um, the additional operations of in the repo market um the new york fed has now announced additional operations i don't know if anybody will recall but about two weeks ago there was a a, an unscheduled unplanned surprise meeting between the fed and donald trump and the speculation at the time was that the fed and donald trump were talking about lowering rates for the next fed meeting now we know from this week's fed meeting that that was not the case because the fed held steady right Um, It gave itself plenty of wiggle room to lower rates in the future, and it basically committed to what we've been telling you all year long it would commit to, not raising rates for the foreseeable future, not the long-term rates, which it can control pretty effectively. What it cannot control pretty effectively are the short-term rates, and we saw that earlier this year, and we saw it about a month or two ago when overnight rates spiked from 2% to approximately 10% overnight. And that was basically because banks quit trusting banks and said, we're not lending to you overnight at 2%. We're not doing it at 4%. We're not doing it at 7%. 10% is the number if you want overnight money. And so the fed had to step in and say, kids play nice. Your balance sheets behind the scenes are probably shit, or you would be willing to lend to each other. Does any of that make sense? Nick You following me thus far? I'm I'm following you. Are you going to keep going? Absolutely. So the banks are looking at each other. They know what's on those balance sheets, whatever it is. I'm not smart enough to break those down, and I haven't looked, to be perfectly honest with you, because they don't make them available to the little people like me. However, they know what's in there, and that caused the distrust that made rates go from 2 to 10%. The Fed steps in, says kids play nice. Don't worry. Sugar Daddy Jerome will come in, and he's going to take care of you. We're going to go ahead and... Fund your overnight commitment so that you guys could all play nice. Now, here we are a couple of weeks later, maybe a month later, and all of a sudden we're finding out that there will be at least another 425 billion with a B injected into the market that provides the short term funding for banks. Now, I will ask a very simple question because I like to think I am a very simple man. If there is not a structural problem within the banks and their balance sheets, why does the Fed feel like it needs to come in and inject another $425 billion? So overnight repo operations now, for those of you keeping track, on December 31st and January the 2nd will rise now to at least $150 billion. Uh, there. Look, it's simple to me. To me, there is a structural problem, and I think it's going to blow up in 2020. You've often asked me before, Nick, what I thought the catalyst for the volatility that I see in 2020 um, would be. And I've said that it would come from the bond market. Um, I, 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 I speculated that it would come out of Europe. I still believe that happens. But now... <laughs> we may get a double whammy. We may get a blow up in the short-term rates here in the U S because again, the fed can control the long-term rates pretty effectively, but we saw um, what happened in and then that two to 10% spike um, it lost control overnight of, of the short-term rates. And I think that um, I think it's something everybody should be paying attention to.
1: We mentioned it here weeks ago when this started, right? The whole QE, not QE thing. We said, not only are they doing the um, overnight repo uh, market tinkering, they're back to buying uh, treasury bills, etc. cetera. There's uh, clearly something going on behind the curtain that the Fed is worried about. They're not letting it on publicly at their meeting this week. They said all is well, no expected rate cuts um, in 2020. But look, the answer to your rhetorical question is the same as the answer to this rhetorical question. Why is the Fed printing money but buying gold at a, at a record pace? Mm. I mean, it's the same answer because they know that something is awry in the financial system and that there's going to have to be some sort of reset, whether you want to look at the federal debt or the consumer debt or the global unfunded uh, obligations, whatever that number is, the M1 money supply. I mean, there is going to be a reckoning and, and pick your expert, James Dines, Jim Rickers, This is the stuff that they've been preaching about for years. Um, and here it is starting to starting to play out in real time. And, and, and just one caveat, I, I think for myself, but hopefully it, it's, it helps other people as well. We, you know, we spent a lot of time preparing and, and talking about this, and this is sort of the, the curse of the newsletter writer as well. It's, we, you know, we're always, we're always early, right? We see, we look at these tea leaves all the time and, and we read all the headlines and we, you know, the wall street journal, the financial times, Bloomberg, we're on it, we're glued to it. And so, you know, it's probably been a month since we talked about this, um, overnight rate stuff. And he, and we probably said it was going to be, um, exacerbated at the time and Absolutely. get worse at the time. And here it is uh, a month later and it's almost, uh, a non-news event because we had expected it and it's baked into our own cake, but that's a mistake, I think, because this is when it's time to act, right? It's like, um, you know, for the past three weeks, we were almost depressed about the action of junior miners. And here we are, um, you know, a, a, a week later and, and juniors are now showing a bit of life, catching a, a bid um, uh, for both uh, macro and micro reasons. And so the, the lesson that, that, that I've learned is um, stay excited, right? Stay in the moment, like when something materializes that you've been expecting um, stay with it. Don't dismiss it. And I'm personally guilty of that. And so I guess it's a bit of a confession. But like I, I almost dismiss it. Like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. You know what? I'm, I don't know if I'm making sense. No, you're making perfect I sense. I, I don't have to pay attention, but you do have to pay attention because now what you thought was going to ha- happen is actually happening. And so you have to take um, real world actions in the market.
0: Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And just as a reference point in some context, this the 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 Fed began conducting its own operations on September the 17th. I think if you if you go back and you listen to the podcast the week after September 17th or the week after that you'll likely hear us talking about it and explaining to everybody what we thought would happen and that all was not well behind the curtain. So it didn't take the Bank for International Settlement, Settlements which acts as a you know it's a consortium for global central banks issuing a report which they did this week saying that the September issues could rise again. It didn't take them for us to connect those dots. It didn't take the New York Fed trading desk uh, a- alumnus and, and now Credit Suisse analyst who said, and I'll put the link up, um, and, and, and this gentleman did an extensive, extensive analysis. It was really well-written earlier this week saying the central bank may have to gear up for a fourth round of QE, um, large-scale asset purchases, or face serious market issues before the end of the year. Is, is is what this gentleman said. So again, it didn't take either of those groups or institutions for us to connect those dots. It just took an extra couple of months to play out. Just like, and, and, and we're gonna toot our own horn a little bit here. Just like it didn't take Mr. Nick Hodge you know, to, to, to get something out of China in writing for him to know that what was going on with the pigs was a big fucking deal, right? You said this over a year ago, and now it's having some real life ramifications. So why does this matter to anybody that's listening that speculates in the precious metals market? Well, again, Nick already answered that question. The reason that gold has been resilient, the reason it closed at 1475 today, the reason central banks are buying record amounts is because they are privy to the information that the average little, me and Nick and, and, you know, the average Joe, um, aren't privy to, they know behind the scenes, there is a structural structural fracture that I think is about to break. Um, and, and this plays out one of two ways. This is where you make money off of it. Either the fed gets control of this through continued purchases and intervention, which they opened themselves up to in their statement. They said they haven't been able to stoke the inflation they wanted to, but they're going to continue to work at it. Don't expect higher rates anytime soon. And they leave the window open to go ahead and lower rates. And then they added that they also were, you know, monitoring this repo situation and they were willing to take additional measures as quote needed to quell the repo issues. That's all you need to know. Just, that's all you need to know. When everybody thought that the Fed was going to continue to raise rates and, and we told you that wasn't going to happen because math wouldn't allow it to happen, I'm now telling you and we are now telling you that the Fed will have to take additional measures to quell the repo issues. It's not going to go away on its own. So that's good for precious metals. Um, coming off of another tough tax loss selling season, coming out of one of the most brutal bear markets in the resource space, that means the Q1 rebound in the better juniors and in the gold price is very likely and likely to be robust. So make your Christmas list, folks, and and start adding to those positions if you haven't already done so this week, because I think the buying opportunity. I issued a note. On Midas Gold to subscribers earlier this week and I said the prices that you're seeing in Midas Gold shares are likely the last opportunity you'll have to purchase it at these prices because I think 2020 is going to be historic, full of fireworks, volatility, higher gold prices, and much higher prices for companies that are busy exploring, discovering, and getting revalued if they have assets in the ground. I know that was a lot, but I think it's important.
1: I bought some more Midas Gold this week and I had a good conversation with Stephen Quinn. They are really coming into the final stretch of permitting for that Stibnite Gold project that's almost 7 million ounces in Idaho. And it could uh, dovetail nicely with this new gold bull market that is uh, developing and materializing. So, you know, they'll have their. Uh, comment period here starting in January and then a draft record of decision next year. So really by late 2020, early 2021, uh, Midas could be off to the races. And um, that's just the fundamentals. It also is particularly susceptible to tax law swings uh, for the past couple of years. And I don't think it will be any different this year. So um, certainly an aim to, to, to look at at um, this point in time. And now I'm going to tell, um, a little kind of funny story joke you're talking about pulling <laughs> back the curtain and, and how obvious it is to see, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, my girls, they watch, um, you know, kids, YouTube, and often it's some of the same songs over and over and over and, <laughs> No including, <way. laughs> including, uh, baby shark for like the, the past three years, everybody <laughs> knows baby shark at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we've known it for three years. But anyway, one of the uh, one of the other very viral um, toddler jams is called Johnny Johnny. And it goes like this. Uh, Johnny, it's a kid. Uh, it's a dad talking to his son. And the son's name is Johnny. So he goes, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Yes, Papa. Eating sugar. No, Papa. Telling lies. No, Papa. Open your mouth. Ha, ha, ha. And it's like this. It's like, it's like <laughs> Jerome, Jerome. Yes, everyone. <laughs> Raising rates, <laughs> no, Jerome. Open your curtain. Ha ah, ha ha! Like we all know what you're doing, Jerome. You can't hide sugar like a three year old. It's the same thing.
0: It's it, it's where we're at, folks. Um, and 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 you know we talk about the fourth turning often on this podcast. Um, the great book that you know studies history and cycles and you know, uh, proposes that these things tend to repeat themselves. And anyway, you can go look at the book. It's you should read the book. It's a great book. I think it um it, it has a lot of value in today's times and I think a lot of what is um outlined in that book is going to come to pass. And and, you know, one of the themes that that, that we have really, really I think pounded the table on is how the lack of faith in government is going to intensify the volatility, both socially um, and, and economically and financially here in, in the coming, th- this won't be a one or two year problem, folks, this will be the coming decade. And, you know, we're seeing it, we have seen, and again, this, this really didn't get the press that I thought it deserved the British elections, right? We just seen the labor party um, get trounced, you know, and the labor party for those that aren't familiar Um, is the equivalent to the extreme left in uh, the Democratic Party. And so, you know, they they basically got told to kick rocks. They basically were told that, listen, we want to leave the, the, the thing. We don't want to be tied to the euro. We don't want to be tied to the rest of Europe. It doesn't make sense. Um, people are fed up. They, 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 it's the same promises from politicians. They never materialize, you know, they promise to tax the rich. They never lower taxes, whether they tax the rich or not. Um, and it's just politicians lining their pockets. Right. And so good, good, good for good for the citizenry for, for, for taking a stand. And it hasn't gone unnoticed. I read an article today. I'll put a link up Joe Biden. You know, he's warning, he's saying Democrats need to see the Labor Party's electoral defeat as hard proof that left policies are doomed. Now, I'll say this, in the short term, I believe that's the case. In the short term, I do believe that just running on a platform of taxing billionaires and making rich people seem like they're horrible, and it's just rich people that are horrible, um, is not going to move the needle for getting a left-leaning president, it's not going to happen, folks. So Joe Biden is right in the short term. Where I think he is short-sighted—no pun intended—is that I think in the long term, and I don't think it's the left. I think it'll be, you know, a, a, a third party or a hybrid of both parties that that will come, you know, to to to, to the presidency in the next elec- election cycle. Not this one coming up. I think Trump wins, but you know, I I think in the long term. It's, it's, it's that centrist, libertarian, smaller government, smaller taxes, um, more privacy. I, I, I think those are the themes that are going to win out. And some of those policies will come from what right now is considered the extreme left, the young part of that party, right? The AOCs of the world. I also think you're going to see young Republicans, Um, with some ideas that'll piss off the Republican party the same way AOC pisses off at least half of the democratic party. Right. I think in the future there, there is going to be an opportunity where both parties are meeting in the middle and actually governing again. Cause these fuckers right now that are in office sure in the hell are not doing it. And I think people are fed up. Um, I think, and, and I know I'm ranting a little bit, but again, it's all tied together. I don't know. Did you catch the, the Donald Trump and, uh, Greta, a little um, spat earlier on Twitter, the Greta Thunberg, the, the, the time person of the year um, that was just elected for her views on climate change and then her work on, um, you know, the environment and, and wanting to get young people involved to undo all of the wrongs that the old politicians have, have you know, done
1: she's not a cobalt miner yet, <laughs> not yeah, yet? I, not- caught, I,
0: I caught it <laughs> it was hilarious right it was like it, it was classic like generational Twitter beef right Donald Trump goes after this young lady she's 16 years old she's a teen man using her time for good right in her in her mind she's bringing attention to an issue that's important and whether you agree on 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 you know the new green deal or whatever the heck your opinion is, We should be encouraged that young people are getting out there and and, and learning and getting involved and evolving, right? She's 16. So Donald Trump, in his infinite wisdom, comes out and tweets, so ridiculous. Greta must work on her anger management problem, then go to a good old-fashioned movie with a friend. Chill, Greta, chill. (laughs) and she changes her status to a teenager working on her anger management problem, currently chilling and watching a good old fashioned movie with a friend, right? It's kind of that okay. Boomer response to the old guy who really doesn't get it and thinks he's more important than he is, except that that old guy happens to be the president of the free world right now. Right? That's the future folks. That's a fourth turning type of thing. The young people of the world. That are coming up and looking at the fuckery that has gone on in the world um, aren't standing for it and it will change and before that there's going to be a lot of volatility and some violence I imagine not the way that the right is calling for it. We're not going to have another civil war motherfuckers aren't that brave nowadays but you know there will be some violence there will be some issues you know and, and, and that's just part of the course right. Anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. I had a conversation with my friend, uh, Mr. Dave Gallagher, which is what we're going to title this, this podcast. Uh, we, we talked yesterday, and he comes in, and, and you know, Dave's a great guy and, 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 and a great friend, and he comes in, and he goes, man, you believe that shit? And little Greta, the time person of the year, you have protesters in Hong Kong and all these great people, these doctors saving lives, and, you know, this little Greta chick is, 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 is the time person of the year. Couldn't they find a better person? And I said, look, if you're going to look at individual." Accomplishments, sure, you can make a good argument for 100 people. There's probably people in my neighborhood that have, you know, achieved more tangible results when it comes to um, everyday applicable career things, doctors and, you know, great people of the world that do great things. But the point in her getting that honor, I thought, was an indication of it's the youth. She's leading that charge the youth is going to lead the charge that changes the future for, for the future direction of the planet, which obviously is not going in the right direction right now in many, 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 many segments. So, and, and, you know, he wasn't here in any way. He's like, yeah, whatever. I think it's bullshit. So Dave, th- this episode's for you. <laughs> That's all I got, Nick. That's it. What do you got? Oh, a lot of
1: stuff on that. So um, I'll start at the beginning. One, the UK, we just have fatigue, right? We don't, The Brexit thing has been going on for so long and is so complex and has been uh, uh, voted on in so many ways by the people and then inside um, government that I think people just sort of um, lost track, sort of like the impeachment thing that's been going on in the United States, although that's been on a bit shorter of a timetable. I think people kind of got fatigued with the impeachment until we got closer to um, a vote. This week. And so um, I think that's why people don't pay as close of attention to um, Britain. And I think it's sort of fallen out of the headlines a bit, right? Because it gives people. It gives people ideas. The same with uh, you mentioned Hong mm. Kong. That's gone from yep. the headlines. Yep. I don't even I don't even read about the yellow vest protest in France anymore. And shit is getting real over there. I was talking to yep. a buddy today who was supposed to go to Paris for Christmas and they can't go because there's a massive transportation strike. Yep. Um, and so that I haven't I didn't read about that anywhere all week. And maybe I didn't have a lot of time to read news. But normally I come across at least, you know, the big the big issues of the week. I didn't see that. Um, anywhere. And so that addresses the first part of the thing you talked about. And then, sure, let's talk about the fourth turning where, um, you know, a a party rises to power that has new ideals. That's what you were talking about as far as, um, you know, some combination of the left and and right getting elected. Certainly, it's not Trump that is the one that's going to rise from (laughs) He's the chosen
0: one. God has come down. I mean, everybody says it. The smartest people, the best people.
1: The best. Yeah. (laughs) So I've heard. Uh, But no, certainly Trump ain't it. Right. And I identified sort of Buttigieg early as the one who wasn't attacking the rich and was sort of had a midline bent um, and had military service with which the conservatives like. And lo and behold, look who's pulling ahead of Biden and Warren and Sanders. Um, and so, yes, you're very right that there is going to be some new political ideals that come up. I couldn't tell you what the party is going to be called. I couldn't tell you if it's going to be some Democrats and some Republicans. I don't know if libertarians are going to come to the fore, but what it's going to be, it's sort of like Jerome Jerome raising rates, right? It's sort of <laughs> like Everybody is socially liberal and fiscal conservative, and nobody wants to admit that we all live in the middle. And so, yeah, it's like the most complex issue and it's also the most simplest issue. And it's like Occam's razor, right? Like the most, the, the best solution is going to be the simplest. And if the most people are socially liberal and fiscally conservative, then maybe we should get back to doing that instead of playing everybody's politics part partisanly.
0: Agreed. And speaking of fiscally conservative, did you realize that the government was on the verge of almost shutting down again? Probably because you read, but most people did it.
1: I actually didn't not until, not until <laughs> it was averted. <laughs>
0: And how is it averted, Mr. Hodge? I know you know the answer to this question because this is the one thing that both parties can always agree on. Again, the reason why I think Little Miss Greta is time person of the year because she is like, you dumb fucking politicians. All you do is take money, put it in your pocket, and we're tired of it. We're going to do something different. Don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be different. I think that's why she's that person. But how, what, are the, what is the one thing that both parties can always hold hands on, Nick?
1: Well, money, what are you, what are you going to tell me
0: spending? That's it. Spending money, you know, spending money. It's, it's, you know, it's another 1.3 trillion. Um, that includes all 12 spending bills and came after a day of last minute negotiations. Come on. And they expect people to buy this stuff. All the spending bills passed. Every, every spending bill proposed by each side got unanimous approval. Um, and it was only last minute negotiations these people don't care about you folks. You know, I, I, I see people upset that Michelle Obama said something nice about George Bush, the way many of us were like, you know, upset at Ellen because she said something nice about, you know, George Bush as well and said, you know, we can find common ground and all that. And the only reason it didn't r- rile me up is because I don't believe any of these people. It's all behind the scenes. They're drinking champagne. They're having the best wine. They're working out next to each other at the best resorts. They don't care about most of us, everybody. Um, And and until we start voting our interest and, 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 you know, quit voting for the most entertaining um, politician on the stage, uh, it's not going to change, which brings me to one more point. I know I got a lot to talk about today, but the mind is going. Um, Did you see President Trump said he might just skip the general election debates and not debate at all? (laughs)
1: I actually have not (laughs) seen this. So when was that today?
0: Yes. He said he's considering just skipping the debates altogether. They can debate themselves. (laughs) I mean,
1: mean, he's going to wait and see. That's all. He's playing chess, right? I mean, he's got to wait and see who the candidate is. You know, he's just saying that. He's doing that to discredit the process in case he does have to bail out if it's someone he doesn't want to debate. But I think he'll cross that bridge once he sees who the, nom- once he sees who the nominee is.
0: We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah.
1: I I, I thought it was Because the debates did in favors, I mean, the first time around, right? You know, you remember Tiny Hands Rubio and the water and, and drinking the water too much and all that stuff. I mean, that's where he sort of, that was his bread and butter.
0: A lot has happened since then, though. Sure. A lot has happened since then. I mean, we're trying to, (laughs) yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot. We can continue going. Um, One thing I failed to mention is Copper's positive reaction to the trade deal. And we talked about it last week and that move continued this week. It closed today at 277. Um, You know, if, if we look at a six month chart, we're, we're at six month highs and yeah, you know, if, if, if this can continue and a trade deal is actually signed in January, which again, it's a very big if we're on record saying we think it's lipstick on a pig and it's much to do about nothing thus far. I know they mentioned that um, U.S.-China phase two negotiations would start immediately and would not be pushed off until after the new year. But I sure hope if there is an agreement, a phase two agreement and, and phase one is signed off on that, it's more meaningful than the stuff that we got Um, today. And if it is, um, then, you know, copper back at $3 a pound makes a lot of these copper juniors and, and, and the majors, frankly, a lot more attractive um, within that context, especially if you can pick some quality names, any thoughts on that, Nick?
1: Uh, Just a couple. Uh, One, we know the reason that copper has to go up. I think we touched on it last week with the electrification of everything. And copper is the, the, the one singular backbone for, um, all of that. So that's like the, the, the core macro fundamental reason. And then, um, we had talked about how it's sort of like an indicator of the economy and the fact that it was going up meant that, um, things might not be as bad as they seemed. And then we actually talked about how millennials could be, um, staving off a recession. And now I have to jump back to our last discussion because I missed one point I wanted to make. And that's, I also talked about last week how millennials are coming of age later. They're waiting basically a decade from the, from the predecessing, um, uh, the previous generations to have kids, to mature, to buy houses, et cetera. And so that's also why you haven't got the millennial presidential candidate yet. Right. Buttigieg Put- is Put- 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 close, but really you're going to have millions and tens of millions more millennials that have come of age by 2024. 20- and so that's why it's going to be, um, 2024, uh, back to copper now. So, um, The fundamental reason is the electrification of everything. And so I was Googling this week uh, copper prices for a couple of reasons. One, I needed some charts. But two, I wanted to see what was being written about why copper was going up because there's always different takes, right? And so um, just in the first page of Google News results, there's all these different reasons that copper is at six-month highs, depending on who you want to click. If you want to click on Reuters, Reuters will tell you that it's at a six-month high because producers are... um, Hedging, But if you click on, let me see, if you click on the Economic Times, they'll tell you that it's at six-month highs because of strong demand. If you click on yet someone else, they'll tell you that copper is rising because of the reason you mentioned the the easing of talks surrounding the trade deals. But I just was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and I found one that I thought made the most sense, and that was – and I didn't know this – China, China's imports of copper have risen to um, the highest they've been. Seven-month highs. Even more, even more than that. This article says the highest copper imports um, to China since September 2018. Shipments totaled 483,000 metric tons in November, 6% higher than the same month last year. So there it is, back to to China again. And if you have a voracious appetite for – pork and copper, you're going to have to start playing nice.
0: Agreed. And and here's where China is at a distinct advantage where we have government that can't agree on anything other than spending. And they don't do that well because we still have yet here in the U S to pass a meaningful infrastructure bill. And if anybody has traveled this country recently, <laughs> you know that this country is in desperate need of some revamped infrastructure. Um, China's distinct advantage. You could think however you think or feel about China's government, but they are nimble, they are quick. um, and you know, they 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 are able to, to 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 fund infrastructure packages by selling bonds that they allocate to just infrastructure. Where here in the US we can't agree on even that, right? So whether it's the electrification of everything, which is very real, you know, electric vehicles and, and 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 solar generation, everything that goes into that, right? Or you believe that there's a, a desperate need for global infrastructure, which I wrote about two years ago, and it's still yet to materialize. It will because it has to. All of those things are true. Whatever your reason is, supply disruptions, uh, lower grade, less discoveries. The point is, pick your reason or pick them all. They're all true. And so to me, look, whether copper pulls back in the next three months or not, I know in five years I am going to wake up to a significantly higher copper price. And so there's ways to make money, obviously, depending on your risk tolerance um, around that premise. And, and again, much like precious metals, there is a robust argument to be made um, for substantial copper exposure going into 2020.
1: We talked about Cucho last week. I recommended it yesterday. Um, yeah, you got to find quality assets that are gonna be buying in the next cycle. That's how this works.
0: There you go. There you go. Quick question for you, Nick. Yep. How much do you think it costs to rape in America?
1: Oh gosh, I know the answer, <laughs> and, and, and and I also know that insurance will pay for it.
0: Oh, these motherfuckers! Oh, and this one fucking ticks me. I'm gonna let you talk about it because this one really upsets me. Um. There, there, there's a few types of people that really get under my skin. Um, sex offenders are right at the top of that list. Rapist, um, Harvey Weinstein, he's not an alleged rapist. He's a rapist. Um, and so I'll let you go ahead and break it down. Cause you know exactly what I'm talking about now. Fill in blanks if I have to.
1: Yeah. Um, obviously you probably read more than I have because it resonates with you clearly. Um, but what I read is that, um, Mr. Weinstein has reached uh, a tentative deal with his accusers to basically pay them um, twenty five million dollars. And his, um, you know, he had insurance companies and insurance companies that that covered his firm that will um, basically pay that payout. And so it doesn't come out of his pocket. He's also, I believe, uh, awaiting trial. Um, in the comfort of his own domicile. I think he has to wear an ankle bracelet, and um, I think he had to pay a bit more money this week, or, or there was some more stricter terms put on his uh, being free because he was tinkering with his ankle bracelet. But yeah, that really sort of... Uh, two thoughts, and then I'll let you go. Uh, one, I, I didn't know when this became a money issue, um, and I guess everything is always uh, about money, but I'm not sure that that really fixes anything. And two would be, especially if the accuser doesn't have to dig into his own account to, to pay for it. If it's, you know, the equivalent of the insurance paying for it, then then what really is the is the lesson learned? And I guess maybe there is a three like, where do you get an insurance policy that will pay your sexual rape payouts for you? Like, how does that work?
0: so many thoughts one that should be criminal Two, the insurance company that was willing to pay out should get me to times up whatever the heck you want to call it to no end so that in the future insurance companies do not step to the front of something like this a deal like this so let me add a couple of specifics you mentioned the 25 million dollars that the accusers would split This isn't two accusers splitting $25 million, right? And let's be clear, there is no price tag on being raped. Um, This is dozens of women um, that have accused him of sexual misconduct. Now, whether you believe that he's guilty in every case, it really doesn't matter at this point. The insurance company obviously thought that giving a total of $25 million that they could all split less than a million a person, um, was, was was the right thing to do. It's coming out of pocket of the insurance company. Yes, his bail was increased Um, because he was tampering with his ankle monitor. You know, this fucking guy comes in with a walker and, you know, he's walking in and he's got issues and he's wearing a diaper and whatever the hell else he was doing to try to gain sympathy from the judge. And then after, you know, it's all said and done and then and, and the bail was increased and he had to pay that. And I'm sure the insurance company probably helped with that as well. Um, you know, he's seen without his Walker later on. Cause it's all a show. It's all a gimmick. Right. And so, yeah, you know, it's uh that's what, that's what, that's what it costs to rape in America. You know, less than a million apiece. If you got the right lawyers and you got the right insurance companies, you don't even have to pay for it.
1: Drinking the same wine with those politicians Andreardo. Huh, Gerardo.
0: That's it. You better believe it. You better believe it folks. Um, and then people wonder why little Greta so upset about, the shit that like structurally the world has given us. Right. It's, it's, it's an absolute mess, man. It's an absolute mess. It's a bizarro world out there. I got a joke for you.
1: I have an answer.
0: Ring, ring.
1: Who's there, bitch. It's big data. Let me tell you a story. (laughs) Fire away, Nick. So I wanted to talk about- We don't plan this stuff,
0: folks, by the way. Yeah, we were going to talk about Ring Ring, but we didn't like plan on a joke or whatever. It just kind of comes out, but fire away. (laughs) So I wanted to
1: talk about this for a while and I've I've probably touched on it here and there, but um, this whole big data thing, like we know we're Facebook's product and we know we're Twitter's product and um, they're using our data to sell us things and serve us advertisements, but it's all getting tied together um, very fast. And now we're incorporating- like sensors and um cameras into it so um let me start with a story about a murder um i was reading in wired magazine the story about this murder that um cops were having trouble solving and they ultimately pinned it on this like 93 year old dude um and it was hard to figure that out without the stuff i'm going to tell you in a second because who would think this old 93 year old frail the dude was like five foot, nothing could commit murder. And they ended up using, um, two things. One, they used ring, uh, the doorbells, the Amazon doorbells, the Mm -hmm. company that I think Amazon bought could have been Google anyway. Um, they got camera footage from neighbor neighbors in the neighborhood that had ring doorbells and they were able to piece together car movements from the victim's, um, driveway, right? From other people's cameras from multiple angles, right? So they're taking all these inputs and they're able to put together um, what happened visually. And then also um, the victim was wearing a Fitbit. And so they were able to use the Fitbit data um, because it monitors your heart to know like when the struggle went down and when exactly she was deceased. And then they were able to piece that timeline data together with the visual data from the coming and going of the cars. you see, seeing where I'm going. Absolutely. So, um, a, this can work in your favor. Um, if you're a, a, a victim and certainly work not in your favor, if you're a criminal, but the point here is that we're giving up even more privacy, which is not a good thing. And it's something that you and I have talked and, and written about for a long time, especially as it relates to financial privacy, right? Using cash and having precious metals, um, and not going to a cashless society where governments and insurance companies and corporations know what you're doing with every single cent. Well, now they're almost at the point where they can know what you're doing throughout your your day, right? With geolocation from your G maps or your Apple maps and by following your car via um, stitching together visual things from uh, Ring, knowing when you're having sex from um the fitbit data or the apple watch data monitoring um your heart or or when you're working out and so um these journalists and and that's
0: can you tell the the difference sorry
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know yet i have to read into that um that's funny Hopefully you're oh, no
0: never mind. <laughs> Sorry, the mind went there, Nick. Apologies for cutting in
1: <laughs> No, that's all right. So there is this article that I'll post a link to about how um these journalists were able to, to to go into this ring camera data and piece together everything that was going on in this neighborhood. And you can bet your bottom dollar that um Governments and corporations are doing that as well because there was another story that broke this week that I don't want to talk about yet because I haven't had enough time to digest it about uh, more information out now about how the FBI um, uses um, spying tools and abuses them and how the media helps them. There was a big story that broke on that this week that, of course, didn't you know make big waves because I guess there's other important things going on. Um, but we're there when it comes to to, to this technology and, and how much it um, knows about us. And if you want to bring it back to a real sort of esoteric or philosophical thing, um, I'd have to invoke sort of like religion and God here because it seems almost as if that's what humans are hell-bent on um, creating is some form of all-seeing, I, and we're doing it to ourselves, right? And it's it's something that's worth um, certainly taking note of and um, being aware of and um, making conscious decisions are as far as the technologies you use, what you allow into your um, home or on the periphery of your home, and and being conscious of of how your data is is used and tracked. But this 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 ring article, man, it's um it's pretty crazy stuff
0: very, very scary. Um, there's an old saying by an old wise man that says it's never, it's usually not the lack of something that kills people in old age. It's the excess that kills people in old age, right? Whether it's too many, too many drugs, too much alcohol, too much food, the wrong kind of food. It's excess typically that does it to older people. And, You know, we as human beings and as a a society should be very, very careful um, with the development of a lot of this. Because, yes, there is a lot of good to be had um, from technology and its application um, for the right things, right? Medicinal breakthroughs, all sorts of things. In this case, you know, this gentleman that was a killer um, was caught, you know, at 93, but they got him. They probably otherwise would not have. Um, But that cuts a lot of different ways, right? And so... I'm not smart enough to provide solutions or answers, but it's it's amazing to me that we don't really have um, a pronounced uh, legal framework or even an ethical framework, really, um, for a lot of this, right? We're just kind of making it up as we go and it's corporations that are calling the shots and, and making the rules and deciding what to do and how to develop, um, what to do with all the information, how to develop the next gadget, Trinket product um, that's going to get more information in the database, right? And we know this as 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 you and I co own Resource Stock Digest, we co own Small Cap Stock Digest. We just launched a publishing company together. We know the value of data, right? We the more information we have, um, the, the 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 more we can fine tune the products that we want to sell and 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 the, the 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 advice that we want to provide. And so we know that on a very small scale, how important that information is. But the stuff that companies like Google are 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 you know collecting, um, it's scary to me. It's scary to me. And again, you know, back to Little Greta, I hope that generation um, realizes the excesses that could come as a result. Because I don't believe the generation that's in power now gets it.
1: It's the same reason that people, um, wealthy people, and wealthy families for generations have owned precious metals for financial privacy and to avoid the prying eyes of government. And that's the same reason that you need to be protective of, um, your data and what you do online and the inputs you put into these, uh, devices. And, you know, Van Simmons will talk on this for a while. You interviewed him. He's the, he's the, um, Uh, main part of the December issue of, of hard asset digest. And that's kind of another thing that got me thinking about this. I was reading the issue that'll be out soon and he's talking about clients. He has, um, you know, rich clients in, in France, for example, this is how they hand wealth down from, from generation to generation, right? From father to son, from mother to daughter. It's not in 401ks and IRAs that the, that the government knows about that are taxed. It's in, It's in crates of of precious metals that the government doesn't even know um, exists. And it's because privacy has a value, whether it's with what you're doing with your dollars or where you're driving your car or what you're doing in your free time. Privacy is a crucial part of freedom. And if you give up the former, you don't have the latter. And we really need to be mindful of it.
0: I'm looking forward to that issue. I'm not exaggerating when I say when it comes to privacy and collectibles and hard assets. Van Simmons is an absolute national treasure um, of information and access. And, And that's not an exaggeration, folks. When I tell you that this is a gentleman who meets with the families that own entire neighborhoods in Manhattan, that's not an exaggeration. I know you have a couple of stories, Nick, that speak to um you know how well connected and how sought after he is and there's a reason for that right um but yeah i'm looking forward to reading that issue it 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 should be should be insightful as always
1: we will have it out by the end of the year
0: excellent excellent i want to come back to my harvey weinstein thing because i i i left out the one thing that really set me off the insurance that's paying the 25 million dollars Um, and negotiated the deal, this is the part that really got me, is it includes a clause that says there will be no admission of guilt. That's the part that's just a, you know, take this to the face.
1: Well, that's always what it is. Um, I'll take it back to the banks, right? Whenever they get caught doing something, manipulating LIBOR or laundering money for terrorists or manipulating precious metals prices, they get to do the same thing. It's that's the privileged way you get to make a billion dollars, pay a hundred million dollar fine to the government, your speeding ticket, keep 90 percent of your ill gotten gains and move on with your life without admitting that you ever did anything wrong. That's always it. Right. I've written about this as well. It's always like a snafu or it's a mishap or it's a fat fingered trade or it's a it's always some like little catchy phrase other than like fraud or breaks the law. Like it never just like says what really happened. It's always. The bank snafu allows rates to be manipulated globally. It's like, come on. But no, they never have to admit guilt. And they always find a way to get that um, in the paperwork, in the legalese, so that they're protected in the future, right?
0: And in the case of repo operations, back to the Fed, we're going to throw another $500 billion, almost almost half a trillion, right? $425 billion into the system. We don't really know if anything's wrong, wink, wink. But just in case, we're going to throw half a trillion into the system and uh, make sure it doesn't keel over. Um, If you think there's not something structurally wrong, folks, you're in for a heck of a 2020. Act accordingly, everybody. Nick, we haven't done a Stock of the Week in a couple of weeks, though we have highlighted some stocks. We highlighted Cucho Copper last week. It had a good week. Um, Copper had a good week. Not a coincidence there. There There's whispers of a potential offer for that company. These aren't new whispers. It's a great asset. It's a good management team. Um, And it's very undervalued, to say the least. I couldn't help but notice a couple of the better lithium names had a decent week. One company that did not Have a great week that I think is um, underperforming is Advantage Lithium. It has been a painful trip. Um, You know, this trip started in the 30, 40 cent range. It got as high as $1.30, $1.40, if I recall correctly. And unfortunately, it's been a round trip. I wrote a piece last week or the week before calling for a lithium bottom. It really relied on a lot of information from Simon Moores and the Benchmark Minerals people. Who, who do an incredible job at compiling data on the critical metals. Um, but yeah, Advantage Lithium, I think, between tax loss selling and coming out of a lithium, a uh, couple of years, tough years in the lithium market, I think Advantage Lithium is a heck of a speculation. Do you have any names that you want to highlight that could present a tax loss selling opportunity and potentially, um, you know, profitable trade or speculation for 2020?
1: I've already mentioned it, and so it's broken record time. But not only um, is it a good tax loss candidate, um, but I, I literally purchased some this week, and so there's no stronger recommendation I can give than that. And it's it's Midas Gold. You know, I added to my holdings this week. I put out a new uh, short term trade on it in my letter, sort of trading around our core long term position for the reasons that I said earlier. It's been. Um, Uh, tried and true tax loss rebound candidate for the past three years. And it's something that I wouldn't mind um, holding past that time frame. And so it's a no brainer for me to to buy a little bit more Midas, wait until the new year and then reevaluate that um, separate uh, position that I initiated. And I'm going to bring it back like to three months ago. Now, you remember I told you I had sold some uh, a chunk of my of my IRA back in, gosh, it was probably June or July when things got a bit volatile, and I was just leaving that chunk um, on the side. I put it back to work this week, but um, I didn't put it back to work in like the Vanguard 500 or um, in like dividend appreciation fund. I I went into the I went into the and, and Vanguard doesn't have a precious metals fund. This is probably a topic for another podcast. But you know, you know, Vanguard got rid of their it. Did away with it.
0: Absolutely. last fall. I, we talked about it. We said it was a sign of a bottom and it wasn't. We That's were exact- a year early, but we talked about it.
1: Well, here we are coming back a year later. And I was like, huh, you know, I think some of these, uh, obviously the majors are doing well. They're having better earnings reports and they're um, expected to do well into the new year. Um, gold held at the end of November. And so um, I was like, huh, let me see if I can throw that money into like a precious metals fund for a couple of months. And I couldn't. But you know what they did is um, they have another fund. It's called, and you'll love this, it's, <laughs> um, it's called like the Cycles Fund, right? Um, and the Cycles Fund, guess what they're holding in the Cycles Fund?
0: Precious metals.
1: The ah, <laughs> ah, they certainly are. And so I redeployed that capital into not Vanguard's Precious Metals Fund, but their Cycles Fund, which they do not advertise, but does in fact hold precious metals for the cycle that we are currently
0: in. Yeah. What was that Shakespeare line? A rose by any other name is <laughs> still a rose, right? One more thing to add on your Midas highlight there. Um, I couldn't help but notice that the CEO of Barrick earlier this week um, came out and said that, quote, we've definitely got the firepower to build a mine or to support a transaction. We don't need any external support for any of our ambitions as we stand today. So obviously highlighting um, the fact that it is looking um, for large scale assets. Good jurisdictions obviously have become A a factor of increasing importance. And again, I think Midas Gold, I don't think I know Midas Gold checks all of those boxes. Um, Heck of a speculation, if you ask me. And I I couldn't agree with you more, Nick.
1: Well, Barrick is doing exactly what it said it was going to do, shedding what it considers not to be um, tier one assets. And you know, I struggle to do it sometimes, but I'm going to pound the chest a little bit. I've been talking about Taranga. I've been talking about Taranga. No you one killed ev- it
0: with Taranga. I, kudos no to you, ever- sir. Nobody gave a fuck about your Taranga recommendation. You've <laughs> said it over and over for months on end. I've looked at it. I couldn't get past the jurisdictional risks that I thought existed. There were a couple of other little things. I didn't believe it. And boy, was I wrong. And boy, were you right. So you pound that chest. So,
1: they, Taranga has now taken what uh, one asset that Barrick considers to be a non core. It's called Masawa. It's in Senegal, um, fairly uh, next door to the the current flagship mine that Taranga has called Sabadala. Um, They can incorporate it into the existing infrastructure. Analysts are all over this deal. Taranga, we're in at gosh, I think just around $3. It's well over $6. An Analysts on average are targeting shares um, over nine fifty. And so Taranga, y'all.
0: If you look at a one-year chart of Taranga, everybody, it's what you hope your Fitbit would pick up if you were having sex <laughs> right before you passed away. So look at a one-year chart of Taranga, everybody, and aim for perfection.
1: Oh, well, that's, you know, one bright spot (laughs) in the sky.
0: That's all I got, everybody. Episode 48 of Bizarro World. I am your host, Gerardo Del Real. Be kind, be nice, have fun. Nick, send us off.
1: Oh, blind squirrels
0: and nuts. I'll see you guys later. Bye, y'all.